Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Neil White and from Backpage, this is Between the Lines, a podcast that tells the stories behind great sports writing. In these bonus episodes, we ask our guests about their favourite sports books. In our last episode, we spoke to the director Matt Hodgson and producer Patrick Nathanson about their documentary film I Am Duran, about the boxer Roberto Duran. After we spoke about that incredible movie, Martin asked Patrick which book he had chosen. You know what? I, I've been thinking about this a lot, and um, but one title kept coming back to me, and it was uh, Fever Pitch by Nick Hornby. Because, from a very personal perspective, the age I was at when I started reading it, the love I had for football, very middle class upbringing and background, and I just thought this is about football, but it's about so much more. It's about um, your human flaws. It's about growing old. It's about adolescence and the stupid things you do as a youngster. And it was the book that, that really, I think, more than any other, got me into a world of sport that goes beyond sport. Um, that and my dodgy left foot, because you know it wasn't going to happen from a uh, QPR trial, never really worked out. So I, I must have read that six, seven times. Um, and very much enjoyed the film as well. And uh, yeah, I'd say that would be number one. And then I, I really enjoyed Simon Cooper's Football Against the Enemy. Now, there's a lot of books that go into socio politics and uh, cultural issues and history and football as a, as a way to uh, explore identity. But I think that was quite revolutionary at the time. And, and um, for him to do it at such a young age with such initiative, uh, I thought was, was brilliant. Um, and then finally, from a more of a, the, the, the elite, athlete perspective I really liked uh, Tony Cascarino's work with, with Paul Kimmage because you know he's a guy who kind of straddled that world of football not as an amateur sport but football in a, you know where, where it was a kind of less professional if you, if you like it um, compared to nowadays and then the superstar era of the Premier League and here's this guy with all his um, you know various issues it was explosive it was brilliantly written um, entertaining um, and yeah, you just, just saw football in a light. I, you rarely see them. Just going back to Fever Pitch, if we can. I mean, that, that book always struck me as a really important kind of documenting of, uh, I guess, a much maligned part of the culture. Because we shouldn't forget they were coming out of a very kind of dark age of, of hooliganism and all, all that sort of stuff. And um, Hornby kind of almost redefined the sport in some ways, didn't he, by by putting the fan story across in, in a kind of literate way. Definitely, and he created a whole sort of um, literary subculture, didn't he, around fanzines, or helped, you know, he's part of that, that movement, but, you know, shed a, shed a light on it. Definitely, he was a time, you know, you've got to remember the football in the 80s when um, there's, uh, the tragedy's happening, there's hooliganism, is, is rampant, um, it's being described as a slum sport, um, Thatcher hated it, and it wasn't something that it w- was seen as very savoury. You didn't take your kids to go and watch it. 
yeah, I remember uh, as, as a, you know, memories of a six, seven-year-old, yeah, there was an air of aggression around at the time of being quite scared and intimidated by it. But then that you realise that the, there was a minority who were causing the trouble and actually it was a much maligned uh, core of fans out there who loved football and weren't idiots and were able to have interests outside of football. Um, so I definitely think that, that it, you know, you look at now with football, it's kind of seeped through every corner of our culture um, you know you couldn't imagine a world more different um, now you know it's a global Premier League compared to the very parochial football league that we had um, you know where an exotic player was a player who came from Aberdeen um, and uh, who was actually very very good but, um, but, but you know it's just complete complete <laughs> diametrically opposed now and I think that um, from a historical perspective uh, Fever Pitch was, was instrumental in, in in, in kind of that change, I think. Yeah, people often alight on the obsession, Hornby's obsession, the obsessive parts of that of that narrative character. But really, it's the romance that you come back to. That's what perseveres. There is a romantic element with, with what I perceive to be the relationship between him and, and the club as well, though, isn't there? With like, you know, it's almost like this is a, you know a relationship, and you have your ups and downs, and and, and your exhilaration, and your Tuesday nights away at Grimsby. Yeah, that I don't think it would work if it was too... I think the beauty of it is it appeals to a wide audience, you know. It, it, it appeals to people you wouldn't have to like football at all and you'd still get what that book's about because all you have to do is feel something about anything to relate to it. I think. Fantastic. Okay, same question to you, Matt. What's, what's your favourite sports book? I don't know if it's my favourite because it's not quite the word you would use to describe this book, but it's certainly one that has had the most impact, I feel. Um, and it's the Mike Tyson book. I've never read a book that's so hard-hitting and raw and um, quite emotional. And what Mike does in that book is he completely lays himself out open, um, almost hates himself throughout it. It gives you an understanding for somebody that you've probably had opinions on throughout your whole life. Um, it gives context for a lot of it. Not excuses, which is important, just context. I enjoyed the fact that I couldn't relate to any of it, if that makes sense. I've got nothing in common with, with Mike Tyson other than we both tread, you know, on this earth together somewhere in different parts. There's nothing. His frames of reference were completely alien to me. His upbringing was completely alien to me. But that was the fascination of it because the sort of understanding that then gives you about other elements of humanity played out in a rather in a celebrity sense you could you could argue although be it a sportsman I found it utterly absorbing at times it gets too much for you I, I, I remember physically having to put the book down and take a break from it on about four occasions and that's quite powerful writing if, if a book's making you do that and it wasn't disgust or anything like that it was just overwhelming me on, on, on many, many levels. So it hit a lot of points on me, that book. I think it's a book that I, I continually think about, even to this day, for various reasons. We, um, in the last episode, talked about your film, um, about Roberto Duran, and Mike Tyson is one of the many excellent talking heads. He comes away, he kind of reveals himself as this Roberto Duran fanboy from an early age. Had you read that book before you met him in person? Yes, I had. And um, it certainly helped in one sense, maybe hindered in another, because you don't know somebody even though you've read their book. And maybe I, I felt 
and new elements of his story almost a bit too well because uh, you really get inside his head during that book you get inside his heart in that book but ultimately when you're face to face with him you're still strangers and there was an occasion when I asked him a question which actually is a, an episode that's cited in the book about when his daughter passed away and um, he reached out to Roberto to help get some music her favourite musician was a Panamanian musician and actually Roberto ended up sending the rather than CDs to him for the funeral he sent um, the musician himself paid for and I, I cited this example of their an example of their relationship and um, the closeness and the the sort of how revealing it was of Roberto himself as well to do such, such an act at such a time of sorrow and um, Mike didn't take too kindly to, to me referring to that episode which is understandable it's so raw but yeah that was probably an example of where I'd taken the book and, and felt a familiarity with the subject through the book that's interesting, isn't it? And obviously I apologised and Mike used all of his anger management skills that he'd learnt to, to defuse the situation from his point of view. Who, who can ever understand what it's like to go through what he went through and anything that triggers that memory, you know, to this day I apologise for triggering that. So. I've, got, I've got a couple of other books. One of them you'll laugh at, but it actually had an effect on me and it was... <laughs> Glenn Hoddle's 1998 World Cup Diary, and I'll explain why it had an effect on me. Not, not a literary giant, you could argue, but I was of an age where I was quite impressionable, and I could relate to elements of it suddenly, and he was, it was an inside track, and obviously given what we do where we make documentaries, I, 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 you know, even at that age, I, it, it appealed to me to hear the inside story of something that I knew something of the outside of. So, the World Cup haven't followed it out yet, and then being on the inside, it felt like I was watching a documentary where I'm reading this diary about what happened in camp during that summer. I know it's not Pulitzer or anything like that, but you know, you asked my opinion. And the other one I loved, similar to Pat's uh, Cascarino one, actually along those lines, was the Mickey Quinn one. Again, you know, it's just the, the sort of human, very funny film, who ate all the pies, a journeyman footballer very entertainingly written, anecdotal, um, quite self-deprecating, Go, goes to the dark points where it needs to as well, which is important, light and shade in there, not a superstar footballer, and I, I think that there's often more layers and more interesting stories in those kind of characters. So. Thanks once again to Matt and Patrick, even if both of them cheated a little bit by choosing three books each. Thanks for listening to Between the Lines, produced by Backpage, we're on Twitter at Backpage Press and our website is backpagepress.co.uk. Our music is by Michael McGarry and there's more Between the Lines next week when Martin speaks to Tim Parks about his classic sports book, A Season with Verona. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, 
plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.